The easiest thing I've done was to get out from under the labels and to live the life that I live. The most difficult thing I've ever done was to believe that I can do it. Uh, the difference is that when you don't know what's impacting you, and it's, it's something that, that's holding you down and you're not aware of it. There are things that when you, in, in my situation, you live in a dominant culture that is designed to destroy your sense of self and your belief in yourself. And, and you have to learn ways in which you can begin to connect with this power that you have within yourself to handle where you are. The key is to be constantly in a perpetual process of discovering the truth of who you are and fighting constantly to look for ways in which you can escape the inner conversation. Between ages zero and five, we determine what's available to us and what's not available to us. And so that was a defining moment. I knew there are certain things I could not do, certain places I could not go. They used to have signs on Miami Beach that said Jews, dogs, and coloreds not allowed. And so now you have to operate within the constraints of, of the dominant society and the things that they have created for you. And it's a challenge to see yourself beyond that and to work to get outside of that even after those laws have changed because that has become so much a part of you, you unconsciously operate within the parameters of what has been put in place. Like you go, to, you're driving on the expressway, the four or five, and, and, and you'll get off on an exit that you weren't going in that direction, but you unconsciously did it because you've done it so many times that many people, because they're not making a conscious, deliberate, determined effort to think outside of what life has thrown at them, they end up doing the same thing over and over and over again. Einstein said that thinking that has brought me this far has created some problems that this thinking can't solve. And so through relationships, through reading, through studies, through goals and dreams beyond your comfort zone, it, it allows you to begin to live out of your imagination as opposed to out of your history. Disney said, the imagination is a preview of what's to come. They have to expose themselves to something that will give them a different vision of themselves. And in addition to that, they have to put themselves in a community of what I call OQP, only quality people. A gentleman who dramatically transformed my life, I was a junior at Booker T. Washington High School in Miami, Florida, and I went in his class looking for another friend. and. And he said, go to the board and work this problem out for me. I said, sir, I can't do that. He said, why not? I said, uh, I'm not one of your students. He said, do it anyhow. And, and the other kids started laughing, saying, he's Leslie. He's DT. And he said, what's DT? He's, his brother is smart, but he's the dumb twin. And, and I said, I am, sir. And he came from behind his desk and he pointed at me. He said, don't you ever say that again. Someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. And he taught me three things. He said, if you want to become successful in life, young man, he said, number one, you got to change your mindset. 
He said, you don't get in life what you want, you get in life what you are. Number two, practice OQP, only quality people. You earn within two to $3,000 of your closest friends. I found that out, I left all my bro broke friends. I said, y'all gotta go. <laughs> Because I used to be so broke, I'd pass the bank and trip the alarm, you know? <laughs> and the third thing he said, develop your communication skills. Because once you open your mouth, you tell the world who you are. He said, those are three major things that you want to work on that will liberate you from living in Liberty City, living in poverty and over town. It will help to escape out of where you are right now because I see you watching me and I know you want more. I can see the hunger in your eyes. You get hungry by finding something that's you. I believe that all of us are born unique, but most of us die copies. You gotta find out what is it that turns you on, what resonates with you. Uh, one of the things that I realized and what allowed me to become successful as a speaker, the speaking industry has been hijacked by people who speak to sell, and it's, it's okay to do that and make money. I speak to change lives because somebody spoke and changed my life, so this is my passion. This is my drive. This is something that I feel in my heart. And, and so the key to that hunger-driven life is a heart-centered life. I didn't do what I'm doing for years because of my programming, because of the culture in which I was raised in. I would see other people with, with degrees and PhDs and, and MBAs and credentials I don't have, and I convinced myself I couldn't do it. But Mr. Washington, on that day, we became friends, and, and he taught me not only someone's opinion of you does, does not have to determine your reality, he said that you have to work on yourself and you have to have an unstoppable attitude and no excuse is acceptable and you've got to, to make it a, a, a priority, a non-negotiable in your life and hold a, a constant vision of what it is you want to achieve. See it accomplished and go all out. Find a way to win in spite of the setbacks, in spite of the disappointments, in spite of your failures. I, I tell people when I'm giving presentations, you will fail your way to success. I have a saying is life knocks you down, try and land on your back because if you can look up, you can get up. <laughs> and so those experiences of, of going after goals that's beyond your comfort zone and having relationships that will challenge you and surrounding yourself with coaches and mentors who can take you to a place within yourself that you can't go by yourself because you can't read the label when you're locked in the box. And so those experiences, they challenge you to go to that next level and continue to move forward in your life doing new and exciting things that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered the heart of mankind what God has in store for you when you live a hard-centered life, deciding that you're gonna live a life that will outlive you. You're gonna live a life that counts, a life that will build a legacy and change the planet. You know, Horace Mann said, we should be ashamed to die. A 
until we've made some major contribution to humankind. And so my goal is to make a, a major contribution to humankind. Every day when I get up, my mindset is, what is it that I can do to touch and impact somebody's life today? What is it, what does that look like? Don't live the life that has been given you. By the circumstances, by the people that's around you, that Sidney Poitier wrote a book called The Measure of a Man. And he said, when you go for a walk with someone, something happens without being spoken. He said, either you adjust to their pace or they adjust to your pace. Whose pace have you adjusted to? And so there are things that we pick up and we think that they're our choices, but they're the choices that we've been programmed by life to, to do. I mean, we, when we leave our homes in the morning, we're bombarded with over 6,000 advertising hits through Facebook, through Twitter, through Instagram, through television, through our phones and through our communities uh, and through the computers. And so all of these things are impacting us every day. So if you don't have a program for your mind, then your mind is going to be programmed and you'll find yourself doing things that you did not know and, and that they affected you, that they, through marketing techniques and strategies that they will create a thirst within you. I came up in an era that said, if you built the best mousetrap, the world would be the path to your door. But if you know marketing, people will sleep outside your store to buy a telephone they've never touched or seen. It's identified as mentally retarded, put back from the fifth grade into the fourth grade, and stayed in that category until I got out of high school. I don't have any college training. But I met a high school teacher who one day changed my life. I was waiting on another student, and when he came in, he said to me, young man, go to the board and write what I'm about to tell you. And I said, I, I can't do that, sir. He said, why not? I said, I'm not one of your students. He said, it doesn't matter. Follow my directions now. I said, I can't do that, sir. He said, why not? I said, because I'm educable, mentally retarded. And he came from behind his desk, and he looked at me. He said, don't ever say that again. Someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. And as he talked, my heart began to beat fast. Tears began to run by my eyes and, and I was in the back just listening to him because the speech he was giving, that speech was for me. And he said, Les Brown, he said, if you want to do anything worthwhile in life, you've got to be hungry. I told Mr. Washington I wanted to become a disc jockey. And so I started working to develop myself. He said, I want you to practice every day being a disc jockey. I said, but I don't have any job now. He said, it doesn't matter. He said that it's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than to have an opportunity and not be prepared. And as I was working to develop myself, I applied for a job as a disc jockey, WMB on Miami Beach. I went to a guy named Milton Butterball. I said, how you doing, Mr. Butterball? I'd like to get a job as a disc jockey. He looked at me, he said, you have any broadcast background? I said, no, sir, I don't. You have any journalism background? I said, no, sir, I don't. He said, we don't have any jobs available. I said, yes, sir. I went back to Mr. Washington and I told him, he said, don't take it personally. He said, most people are so negative 
they will have to say no seven times before they say yes he said go back again so I went back again I said how you doing mr. Butterball my name is Les Brown he said I know what your name is what do you want I said I'd like to know whether or not you have any jobs at this jockey sir he said didn't I just tell you yesterday we didn't have any jobs I said yes sir but I know whether or not somebody got laid off or somebody was fired sir he said no one was laid off or fired now get on out of here I came back the next day like I was seeing you for the first time. I said, hello, Mr. Butterball, how are you? He looked at me with rage. He said, go get me some coffee. I said, yes, sir. And I went to get him some coffee. After a while, I would get their lunch and dinner and I would go in the control rooms and take the disc jockeys their food and I would not leave until they would ask me to leave. One Saturday afternoon, while I was at the radio station, a guy named Rock was drinking while he was on the air. I was the only one there looking at him through the control room windows, walking back and forth, young, ready, and hungry. Pretty soon the phone rang and it was the general manager. And I answered the phone. I said, hello. He said, Les, this is Mr. Klein. I said, I know. He said, Rock can't finish his program. I said, I know. He said, would you call one of the other DJs in? I said, yes, sir. I hung the phone up. I said, now he must be think I'm crazy. I called my mom and my girlfriend, Cassandra. I said, y'all turn up the radio and come out on the front porch. I'm about to come on the air. I waited for about 20 minutes and I called him back. I said, Mr. Klein, I can't find nobody. He said, young boy, do you know how to work the controls? I said, yes, sir. He said, go in there and don't say nothing here. I said, yes, sir. I couldn't wait to get behind those controls. I put on an old Stevie Wonder record called Fingertips. I sat down behind that turntable. I said, look out, this is me, LB, Triple P. Les Brown, your platter playing popper. There were none before me and there will be none after me. Therefore, that makes me the one and only. Young and single and love to mingle, certified, bona fide, and dubiously qualified to bring you satisfaction, a whole lot of action. Look out, baby, I'm your love man. I was hungry. You got to be hungry. Begin to know that you have greatness within you. And if just one of you here begin to envision yourselves as being blessed and highly favored to reach your goals, if just one of you capture the essence of what that means, that you have greatness within you and a responsibility to manifest that greatness, that you can make your parents proud, you can make your school proud, you can touch millions of people's lives and the world will never be the same again because you came this way. It was hard, ladies and gentlemen, coming to speak to people. And I was facing financial difficulties in my own life. I was behind on my bills and my dreams and I'm saying to them, you can live your dream. It was hard, ladies and gentlemen. It was very difficult to pick myself up each day believing that I could do it. There were times that I doubted myself. I used to ask myself, can I do this? And something said within me, you're the one. Don't give up on your dream. By continuing to push forward, by continuing to run toward my dream, that one day I would have my own talk show. It's a long shot, ladies and gentlemen, from Liberty City, an abandoned building on a floor, never knowing my mother or father. It's a long shot 
being here with you today in this dome in Atlanta, it's a long shot. No college training, labeled educable, mentally retarded, but I kept running toward my dream. Don't stop. Don't stop running toward your dream. Most people are not living their dreams because of fear, ladies and gentlemen. I was in Columbus, Ohio yesterday speaking for a particular Ohio department. Young lady named Karen who greeted me, who organized the event. Very talented, very skillful. And she was talking about she wanted to become involved in the consulting business. I said, why aren't you doing it? I said, you have the abilities. I said, you're not here because they like you. You're here because you're doing the job. You're making things happen. And she came up with all kinds of ideas, but finally she said, I guess I, I can't see myself doing it. I guess I'm afraid. Fear, limited vision, and lack of self-esteem is what keep most people doing things they don't want to do. I was, flew from Columbus, Ohio to Denver, Colorado to a major communications company. And the person that picked me up at the airport told me about the fact that the company was planning on having a major downsizing. And they offered some of the employees there an early retirement and some of them will earn as much as $300,000. And they said, this is the last time that you can take this offer. If you don't do it, when we have the downsizing, you might be among those who will lose their jobs and all you will get is your severance pay. And only 50% of the people who were eligible to take the $300,000 took it. The others were afraid to take a chance on themselves. The others couldn't see themselves beyond that company. They couldn't see life after that company. The same reason that people stay in relationships where they're abused or they're unhappy or it's unfulfilling. They can't see themselves beyond that relationship. They can't see themselves enjoying life without that person. They think that this is all that they can do. The same reason that people get stuck at a certain level in life. They can't see things being better for them. And they think that this is it and this is all they deserve. This is all they've ever seen. It's been passed on to them. And they think that this is it for them. Oh no, I was looking what Dr. Blanton, Smiley Blanton, who is a colleague of Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, what he said about fear, he said, fear is the most subtle and destructive of all human diseases. Ladies and gentlemen, fear kills dreams. Fear kills hope. Fear, put people in the hospital. Fear can age you. Fear, ladies and gentlemen, can hold you back from doing something that you know within yourself that you're capable of doing, but it will paralyze you. And it seemed like you're in a hypnotic spell. And I ask you a question, what is the benefit? What's the benefit of allowing fear to hold you back? What's the benefit of giving up on yourself, of not stepping out on life and taking life on. What is the benefit for you? What's the plus in that? It's one of the things I had to ask myself. So I didn't want to make any mistakes. I wanted everybody to like me. I wanted to be perfect the first time I did something. It's not going to happen. You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to hurt some folks' feelings. You're going to create some enemies whenever you decide that you want to begin to take life on. You've got to ask yourself, how long am I going to allow this to hold me back? I like what Zig Ziglar says. He said, fear is false evidence appearing real. 
That is an illusion that we create in our mind. It is a state of mind that can be changed. So let's look at how we can begin to take some steps to restructure that fear, to begin to expand our visions of ourselves, to begin to increase our self-esteem. Webster said that self-esteem means confidence and satisfaction in oneself. When you're working on a dream, at some point in time, a transition takes place. And the transition is, is what you are becoming in pursuit of the dream. Because even if you don't get the dream, you become such a strong and powerful person, it will so change your life, you can look at something else and say, well, I think I'll go do this then. Because you have now developed yourself in such confidence and such competence in how to deal in the arena of life that you can move into another area and not miss a beat. Once you begin to discover who you are, then you really realize how you have been given authority and dominion over everything on the face of the earth, including all the dimensions of your life. But you can only do that through the struggle of life. And most people avoid the struggle. Most people go through life avoiding pain. And when you go through life like that, something in you dies. Something in you that you never activate is lying dormant in there that you never get a chance to call on because you have not challenged yourself. Somebody said, the land of familiarity belongs to the dead. That most people like to feel like they're a king in the area of their comfort zone. They only want to do those things that they know how to do well. Osborne said, unless you attempt to do something beyond that which you've already mastered, you will never grow. So if you want to begin to grow, you've got to put something out here that you can't reach easily, that has got to make you stretch, got to make you jump for it, got to make you get back a little bit and dig in so that you can take a leap for it. And maybe you jump up there and you miss it and you skin your knees and you come back again and you bust your lip next time. But you keep on and through that process, you learn how to leap higher. You start challenging yourself to dig deeper and then you discover some things about you that you don't know right now, some talents that you have in you that you didn't know that you can do. I started out just talking to kids. And now I'm speaking at corporations. Now I'm traveling. I didn't know I can do this, but had I not given myself a chance, and I'm saying to you, give yourself a chance. Life is hard. See, it's hard when, when you are 49 years old, been working on a job for 17 years, and they come in and tell you, you're finished, and give you one week severance pay. And you got to start all over again. It's hard when you are married and raising children and your children are crawling and your husband dies unexpectedly. It's hard handling just the tragedies of life. It's hard when you're working on something and, and you put everything you have in it and it doesn't work out, you lose your money and other people's money. It's hard. It was rough when I lost my job, and I could not find a job. It was humiliating and embarrassing, borrowing money, and then I couldn't pay the money back when I told them I would. That's rough. How people look at you, how they respond to you, it's very hard. It's humiliating. Here's what I discovered that happens to you in life. That you will go through things and while you're going through them you can't understand why it's happening to you but after you go through it and you get back and you look at it and you say oh 
Now I understand why I needed that lesson. Have you ever happened to you? Raise your hand. Has it ever happened to you that, that I, did, I couldn't understand it there? But after I got through it, then I saw that that was preparing me for bigger and better things. As you go through the challenges of life and you look at it and embrace whatever comes to you, don't run from it. Step toward it. Don't try and duck it like most people do. See, most people want it easy. See, easy come, easy what? Easy go. See, but when you go at what you're going to deal with and you deal with the difficulties of it, when you handle those hard things close at hand, making those hard decisions right now that you don't want to make, learning those things that you don't like to do, but you know that in order for you to get where you want to go, this is one of the hoops that you have to flip through. And I'm saying to you, whatever you got to do, do it, because if you don't, life is going to whoop you until you surrender and say, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. I cooperate. Okay, I learned. Okay. It had to wear me out a long time. So if it's hard, then do it hard. Now, how do you hang in there during the hard, difficult times, Les? You must have faith. You've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe in your abilities. You've got to believe in your service, your company, your ideas, unquestionably. You've got to have faith, and that faith gives you patience. That it's not going to happen as quickly as you want it to happen. A lot of things are going to happen that will catch you off guard. And so therefore, you've got to deal with and handle it as it comes. And not only that, but that faith and patience drives you into action. You've got to keep moving and keep plugging away. In the Far East, they have something that's called the Chinese bamboo tree. The Chinese bamboo tree takes five years to grow. They have to water and fertilize the ground where it is every day. And it doesn't break through the ground until the fifth year. But once it breaks through the ground, within five weeks, it grows 90 feet tall. Now the question is, does it grow 90 feet tall in five weeks or five years? The answer is obvious. It grows 90 feet tall in five years. Because at any time, had that person stopped watering and nurturing and fertilizing that dream, that bamboo tree would have died in the ground. And I can see people coming out talking to a guy out there watering and fertilizing the ground that's not showing anything. Hey, what you doing? You've been out here a long time, man. And the conversation in the neighborhood is, you growing a Chinese bamboo tree, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Well, um, even Ray Charles and Stephen Wonder can see ain't nothing showing. You know that's how people are going to do you? So how long have you been working on this? How long have you been working on your dream? It's good. And you have nothing to show. This is all you've got to show. People are going to do that to you. And some people, ladies and gentlemen, they stop. Because they don't see instant results. It doesn't happen quickly. They stop. Oh, no, 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 no. You've got to keep on watering your dream. And when it began to happen, they stop laughing. They said, look. Whoa, look, look here. It's, look up. Hey, man, you know, I know you can do it. Look here, you got a job here? <laughs>
<laughs> See, t during those hard times, we didn't know how you're going to make payroll during those times when you fell and, and, and things didn't work out. They were, they were nowhere to be found. But know what I discovered? When you're working at your dream, somebody said, the harder the battle, the sweeter the victory. Oh, it's sweet to you. It's good to you. Why? See, when, you, when it's hard and there's a struggle, see, what you become in the process is more important than the dream. That's far more important. The kind of person you become, the character that you build, the courage that you develop, the faith that you're manifesting. Oh, it's, it's, it's something that you get up in the morning, you look yourself in the mirror, you're a different kind of person. You walk with a different kind of spirit. People know that you know what life is, that you have embraced life. You knew it was hard, but you did it hard. Advertisers are competing for the real estate of our minds. And what we have to do is begin to be proactive in programming ourselves rather than allowing ourselves to be programmed by the world. That's why we're told, be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you agree with me, I want you to put yes in the comment section. Just put yes, make a brother feel good. <laughs> And, and 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 something else. See, there there are things that's going to happen that's beyond our reach, and it's important that you be okay with that. That that's God's business. You do what you can do, handling your business and those things that you can handle, and those things that's beyond you. You have to let go or be dragged. Because there are a lot of stuff. This this thing called life where we are, we've never been here before. I feel like uh, Mother Teresa, she said, Lord, I know you know how much I can bear. I just wish you didn't have so much confidence in me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, boy. So I want to share some thoughts with you. People ask me, what do you do during tough times? What do you, how do you handle it? Well, they asked the right person. As I speak to you, I have a, this trophy here from Cancer Centers of America. It is a trophy that you don't want. It's called the uh, Cancer Center Perseverance Award. Perseverance. I'm a 29-year fourth-stage prostate cancer conqueror. All right? So you don't want that award. <laughs> some awards you want, some awards you don't want. But I'm glad to get the award because I'm still here. <laughs> so the question becomes, how do you do that? How do you keep a, a positive mindset in the face of a prognosis and say, you're on the way out? How do you deal with that? Well, number one, what's very important is to understand this that at any given time, we have the power to choose. Choose ye this day whom ye shall serve. We have the power to choose, to focus on the things that are not what we want them to be, or focus on what we can do to create the things that we want in our lives. See, because at the end of the day, life is a fight for territory. And once you stop fighting for what you want, what you don't want will automatically take over. 
So I deliberately, when I wake up in the morning, I'm grateful. I say, I'm great and grateful. I'm still here. There are a lot of people that didn't wake up this morning. They're taking a dirt nap. Hello. <laughs> so I'm grateful. I'm not in pain. You can hear my voice. I can still serve. At 77, I can still make an impact. All right? So what you have to do is face this. Every day is not going to be a good day, but there's some good in every day. So here's my challenge to you. Look for the good. I ain't playing with you. I'm coming for you right now. Look for the good because it's here. And, and then just take the time to savor it. What most people do, and this is crucial, they leave their minds open like a, a universal garbage can and taking in stuff and information that they can't do anything about. I, I support the Ukrainians without any question. I pray for them. I support them. I will contribute to anything to help people who are being displaced. But I will not watch the news on that. It's too negative. I just, I'm not going to inundate my mind with stuff that does not build me up. You remember that song, Don't Let Nobody Bring Me No Bad News. If you, if you, can, if, if you can identify with what I'm saying up in here. Uh, my brother, I was talking to him the other day, my twin brother, and I can hear him cranking up to give me some bad news. I said, hold just a minute, hold just a minute. I paused for a minute. I said, you know what? I'm going to circle back with you. And so he thought I hung up, and I heard him say in the background, he's not going to call me back. He's right. <laughs> no, I don't want to hear that. He's about to tell me some problem about somebody. I don't know that person. Why do I need that in my mind? I remember a story about... <laughs> A, a very brilliant man. We we all have heard his name, Einstein, Albert Einstein. And he, he was asked for his phone number. And he went to a payphone booth and, and went into the telephone booth and opened up a telephone book. And they said, wait a minute, you Einstein, you don't know your phone number? He said, I don't keep information in my mind that's not usable to me. I don't call myself. Why should I put some stuff in my mind about things I can't do anything about other than saying, mm, wow, I'm sorry, sorry to hear that. But I will take some things in that inspire me, things that encourage people that I can use in my presentations. I tell speakers, and I train speakers, and some of you out there, I want you to listen to me, and I'm going to give you a, a, a strategy on how to become a powerful global voice of transformation. You got to be a good listener. I listen for stories that encourage, that motivate, that inspire. I, I, this, there's a story in the internet of a little eight-year-old Ukrainian girl who went up to a soldier who had all of his gear and his rifle and everything he needs to kill somebody. And this little girl unarmed, but all she had was her fist. And she went up 
and she punched him. Now, of course, she didn't cause any damage, but she was striking a blow for give me liberty or give me death. I know you can kill me. I know you don't value my life. I know y'all just blew up a hospital with children in there. I know that, but we're fighting for our freedom here. And, and, and all I got is this right here. And I'm going to come up there. I'm going to punch you with everything I got. Now, that's inspiring. I want to hear those kind of stories. Tell me stories that I can share that can lift people's spirits, that can encourage people. Because, see, at the end of the day, we don't know how strong we are until we have to be strong. You don't know enough about yourself to be a wimp. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You are more than a conqueror. And when you just be with that, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm made in the likeness and image of God. It doesn't get any better than that. I've been given authority and dominion over everything on the face of the earth. These are not just words to be read, but to be lived from. People say, practice what you preach. No, preach what you practice. Sometimes you have to get an attitude with yourself and, and begin to realize we're more blessed than we give ourselves credit for being, and we must focus on that. When I get up in the morning, I have a gratitude list. I have things that I write down that I'm grateful for, that you can hear me, that I can see. I got my, my nephew, James, he went stone blind, my twin brother's son, blind at 38. I'm grateful that I have the ability to see and to hear and that I can pick up my body weight. There was a period of time I was being rolled around in a wheelchair because of sciatica pain and the pain from the little C cancer. So there's going to always be some stuff. Victor Franco, he talks about it in Man's Search for Meaning. He said, you either in a problem or you just left one or you headed toward one. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. What is that armor? Faith. And faith not tested can't be trusted. Perseverance. You're going to go through some stuff. Lady, she had a car accident and her neck was broken. She said, my neck was broken, but my neck didn't break me. Although she's a quadriplegic, she's still living a productive life. She's not somewhere feeling sorry for herself. The other thing is, you got to watch who you talk to. I think I have a friend named Ed Foreman who just passed a few weeks ago. And it's the first seminar that I went to. Ed had something that he did. And at first, I didn't get it. Ed will never ask you, how you doing? I said, Ed, why don't you ask how people are feeling? He said, because they might tell you. <laughs> he said, no. He said, I just tell him. You're doing great. You look better this time than the last time I saw you. <laughs> he said, I compliment him. I find something good to say because people want to tell somebody about what they're dealing with, but you want to call forth those things that be not as though they were. Do you believe that? Are you down with that? 
Do you understand what I'm sharing with you right now? It's a part of, of what we have been told, and, and it's something that we don't want to just hear it, but to live from that place, to stand in that place of power. I believe that we're here for a reason. And all this stuff that's happening, that God is in the midst of it, but therefore take unto you the whole armor that we've got to stand up inside ourselves and face it head on, call life. And sometimes I have to get an attitude with myself because sometimes things get to me. Got a son who's bipolar schizophrenic. And I had to realize, hey, that's his trip. He doesn't want to take his medication. He's 38 years old. That's beyond me. That's him and God. They got to work that thing out. I'm not going to stress myself out about some stuff that I can't control. Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot control, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. See, it's easy to say those nice little words when you don't have any pain in your body and your bills are paid, you're not facing foreclosure, or your relationship is working out fine, and your children act like they have good sense. It's easy to say those things. But when life knocks, when life challenges you, that's, that's when you have to pull and call on the whole armor. That's when you have to be, under, be able to understand, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Oh, boy. This thing called life. I, I saw something with some actors they were talking about. Had they learned when they were younger that whatever you're going through right now, if it's bad, if it's painful, if it's tragic, guess what? This too shall pass. And whatever you're going through right now, if it's a celebration, you're happy, you are joyful, things are going great, you feel good in your body, you're physically capable to doing whatever you want to do, your relationship is working out fine. This too shall pass. <laughs> what do you mean? Life is a roller coaster. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. Sometimes things go well, sometimes they don't go so well. And we have the power to be an observer and not buy into it and decide, wait a minute, I'm going to find some good in this. I'm going to wrestle with this angel until I find my blessing up in here. Life is a fight for territory. And once you stop fighting for what you want, peace of mind, for your relationship, for your health, once you stop fighting for what you want, a good night's sleep, a relationship that that that's where you love each other and care about each other and got each other's back. Once you are unwilling to fight for what you want, what you don't want will automatically take over. I ain't playing with you. I'm telling you what I know. You have something special. And even if you don't believe me, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to say it until I get through to you. Why? Because that's my mission. I believe live your life the way you want to leave your life. And that's what I'm doing. My goal is to leave my life inspiring you, encouraging you, 
lifting spirits, reminding you of the greatness that you have in you, reminding you that you are treasure, you are masterpiece because you're a piece of the master. I was in my comfort zone. I was doing just enough to get by. I was working on a job. They paid me just enough to keep me from quitting. And I worked just hard enough to keep from getting fired. How many know people like that? Blink your eyes that you understand what I'm talking about. I was parked. I knew I could do more. But when my mama died, it took something out of me. When I went through a divorce, it took something out of me. When, when my best friend died, it took something out of me. I parked. And somebody said that life is like an onion. You have to peel it one layer at a time. And sometimes you cry. Life's going to happen to you when you have a dream. You're going to get slapped around. And don't take it personal. Don't ask, why did this have to happen to me? Why not you? Who would you suggest? You want to give us some names, some email addresses? And don't tell everybody. 80% don't care and 20% glad is you. It's called life. Suck it up and move on. Get over it. It happens to everybody. Here's the other thing is you look at your goals and look at your dreams. When you're going through some stuff, repeat out to me please. When things go wrong, don't go with them. Yes, write that down. When things go wrong, don't go with them. When you're working on a business deal, you're counting on some money. Someone said you will get the loan and it falls through. You have an event. And the people that you thought would be there and support you, they don't come through. Or someone turns against you or you get ripped off. It's going to happen to you. Happened to me. Someone stole all my products. My database. Over 180,000 names and addresses. It's not personal. It's going to happen to everybody. It does. Eight out of ten millionaires have been financially bankrupt. Walt Disney had seven, he filed bankruptcy seven times and had two nervous breakdowns. It's called life. But I got a saying, when life knocks you down, try and land on your back because if you can look up, you can get up. You've got the power in you to do that. You've got something special. You've got comeback power. Here's the other thing. Let us say together, it's possible. It's necessary. It's me. Yes, write that down. It's me. Take ownership for your life. Nobody can live your dream for you but you. Nobody's going to take care of your business like you. Stop coming up with excuses. Don't give yourself permission to continue to live a small life. You can't fit a big dream into a small life. Give yourself permission to go for it, to test yourself, to challenge yourself, to live full. I like the saying, always strive to get on top in life because it's the bottom that's overcrowded. You're never going to accomplish anything great if you're coming from a place of negativity. If you are just complaining and negative and blaming other people, you're never going to accomplish anything. It's just not going to happen. You can't create amazing things from a negative spot. 
it means that you have zero resourcefulness because there's no hope. And so you need to flip it. Now I'm gonna give you a wild mind trick that, that I use that maybe is a little too weird duck for you, but I wanna test it on you because if, if, if one of you picks it up, it'll dramatically change your life. It's my philosophy of changing negative situations and doing a quick mind trick in my head to say it's the best. So whenever I'm hit with a negative situation, something that is beyond my control, something that I can't do anything about, I will complain, I will be unhappy, I will be negative for 8 to 24 seconds. And then I'll tell myself, it's the best. That this is the best thing that happened to me. And then I'll figure out why it's the best. So as an example, I'm on an airplane. I'm coming from uh, Vancouver to LA. I'm speaking at an event in LA. I'm on a flight. It's a five-hour flight. I get on, this is really smelly dude next to me. Really smelly guy. I, he probably hadn't been on, you know, in a shower in a couple days. Probably had multiple transfers and stopovers. And I have empathy. I'm not, I'm not pissed at him. I'm pissed at the situation, right? I'm sure he's normally a nice smelling guy and uh, takes care of himself. But in this situation, he was super smelly and I had to deal with it. So what am I going to do? I've got a five hour flight. What are my options? I can not go. You know, I could miss my flight and then not do my presentation. I could sit on the airplane and be upset for the next five hours and then be upset for the rest of the day and allow this minor situation to own me and to be better than me and ruin my entire day. Or I could say, this is the best. And that's what I did for around eight to 24 seconds. I'm sitting there trying to figure out my options, what options do I have? How can I do, how can I fix this? <laughs> There's no options, I'm screwed. And then I'm upset, you know, I'm upset. This sucks, come on, really? This is what I have to deal with for the next five hours? And then, this is the best. And what do I do? <sighs> yep, breathe it in, breathe it in, give it to me because this is making me stronger. This is the best. This is actually the best. Why? Because it's my chance to show myself what I'm made of. That this smelly dude is not gonna own me. That I am stronger than a little bit of smell on an airplane. And that the next time I get faced with a similar situation, I'm able to handle it. It's easy. It rubs off me. I think that's how you actually build self-confidence. That's how you actually build self-esteem. Because when it's easy, it's easy. Winning a race against three-year-olds is easy. Doesn't mean anything. You're not going to clap that up. Yay, I beat a bunch of three-year-olds. But when it's hard and you try, that's when you actually build self-esteem. And so flip it. Flip it in your mind. Flip it. This is the best. Whatever negative situation is in front of you right now, tell yourself it's the best. Let me give you another example. I'm on a keto diet six days a week. Saturdays eat what I want, and Sunday to Friday, I'm on a keto diet eating super healthy, you know, all, all avocados and vegetables and some fish, and we're traveling right now. And I'm doing a 90-day tour across the country, and I told myself, I wanna come back in better shape, in lower weight than when I left. It's easy for me to stay consistent at home, but when I travel, it's always been my vice. When I travel for a couple of days, I'll just veg out, I'll eat whatever I want, frappuccinos, down and everything. It's like, ah, sugar. I can't do that for 90 days because I come back a giant tub. So I needed to say, okay, you know what? Here's a challenge. This is my chance to prove myself. This is my chance to show myself what I'm made of. I want to come back weighing less than when I left. And so we're visiting all these cities and there's tons of great food in every city, right? And, and I want to look at the food and I want to smell it. I want to, I want to look at it. 
and I'm stronger than you. Every grocery store that we go into, I love going down the sugar aisle. I love going down the snack aisle. I love seeing the Klondike Reese's Pieces bars. I love seeing the Doritos. I love seeing them and I love smelling them whenever I can and just knowing that I'm stronger. I think if you eliminate the junk food from your house and you're on a diet, it actually makes you weaker. You're training yourself that you're not capable of resisting. And so there's junk all over the place here. Yeah, let me show you. Look, here we go. Look, we just finished off some junk, but we got right here, right here on the kitchen counter. We've got fudge and more fudge and then whatever those things are, pineapples, and then some some fudge sea salt caramels. Just lying out. Right in here we got Doritos. We got look at this, this is gonna kill me. Look, this is York peppermint patties? Are you kidding me? I wanna eat that entire bag right now. What else? Let's go to the third drawer. Look at this. We got we got snicker bites. We got, I'm gonna, I could eat this entire bag right now. I'm so hungry. We got, we got raisins, right? Chocolate covered raisins. Are you kidding me? This stuff is amazing. I can't wait. I, I want to eat all of it. And, and here's what I do when they come home. Look at this. This one here, this dark chocolate. Can you help me open this? Cause I'm filming. Danny ate. Danny ate it. I, so here's the thing. Here's what I would love. If I wanted to eat this, here's what I would do. Here's what I would do. I would open it up like this. Oh, I just smell it. Just smell it. I know that I'm stronger than these sea salt caramels. Now, this actually pisses me off because I don't like dark chocolate. I can't stand the smell. And so it smells nasty to me, but I want it to smell good. I want it to smell good. I want to smell. I want it to be right here on top of the counter in front of my face, right? Doritos, I want it right in front of my face. I have a giant bag of Doritos at my home in my office because Doritos are my weakness. Because damn the Doritos. Because the Doritos aren't stronger than me, right? That smelly guy on the airplane, he's not stronger than me. I'm capable of doing that. I'm capable of doing more. And so I love that. And, and maybe that's a little crazy. And, and when I tell people that story, they say, well, doesn't that deplete your, your willpower? Because you only have a certain amount of willpower for the day. And if you force yourself through that, you're gonna deplete your willpower and then other decisions become more difficult and I, I get it logically but for me maybe it's just the mind trick coming to, to play because that makes me stronger I, I want more of it I love myself more because of that I, I love it it gives me more energy it doesn't take away my willpower it creates more willpower for myself and I can't wait to dive into all that stuff on a Saturday but when when Nina and Danny are coming back with all this food, I want to smell it. I want to look. I want to love it. I want my mouth to water. Even just thinking about the Doritos right now, my mouth is watering so much. And I love so much about myself that I'm not diving into it. And so changing your identity, that I'm the kind of person who rises to a challenge, who when it's difficult, I crush it. I jump into it. I love it. I think when you can do that, you're much more likely to go off and accomplish your goals. I think when you do that, you're much more able to handle adversity in your life. And just that quick mindset shift, just that quick trick into your brain. Every single time you find yourself being negative, being complaining, being upset, tell yourself it's the best. This is my chance to show myself and the world what I'm made of. Let's go, bring me your Doritos, bring me your smelly man. I got this, I'm ready. You're ready too, it's the best. Program your mind deliberately. The reason that most people don't achieve their goals is because they are thinking like everybody else. 16 revolutionary words. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's an 
ongoing process. What are your goals? What are your dreams? Earl Nightingale was right. You don't get in life what you want. You get in life what you are. And so you want to take the time every day to listen to things that can help to program your mind positively because at the end of the day, if you don't program your mind, it's going to be programmed. Trust me, it's going to be bombarded with all kind of head trash, commercials. I was at a service station pumping gas and a commercial came up. I mean, you get on the elevator and commercials are there. You look at billboards, their messages is coming in over 5,000, 10,000 messages on a regular basis. And so as you look at your goals and dreams, it's very important that you are intentional about controlling what goes on in your mind because everything gets in through the eyes and through the ears. So, what do you want? What do you want for yourself? What I'm doing right now, I didn't do it for 14 years. You know why? Because I was suffering from possibility blindness. Have you thought about doing something and you, you looked at what you wanted to do and your heart said, I could do that. And then your mind asks, how? And then you start thinking, well, I can't do that. I don't have a college education. I can't do that. I don't have an MBA or a PhD. I can't do that. I've never worked for a major corporation. Why would corporations reach over people with PhDs and MBAs and years of experience and pay me to come in to do something I've never done? I thought about doing this for years. And I talk myself out of it. There's an African proverb that says, if there's no enemy within, the enemy outside can do us no harm. Shakespeare says to Fort Dear Brutus, it's not in our stars, but in ourselves that we are underlings. And so as you look at yourself and look at your goals and look at your dreams, I'm saying to you that it's possible. Because if anybody at any point in time had a goal, had a dream of what they wanted to achieve, and they made it happen, then it's possible that you can do it too. But you've got to be intentional about programming your mind. One of the things I have realized, and many of us have, that if you want something out of life, if you want to change yourself, if you want to acquire something, if there's some goal that you want to reach, that is really not easy as some people will make us feel. That living your dream, changing your behaviors, overcoming negative habits, it's challenging. It's hard. That living alone is just very difficult. And once we begin to come to grips with the fact that living is difficult, life is very challenging. I heard a song once by a guy named Dimples called, If It Ain't One Thing, It's Another. <laughs> I say to you, if it ain't one thing, it's 12 others. <laughs> Always something. You will never, ever have a problem-free moment in life. Somebody said, and I like this, that you either in a problem or just left one or headed toward one. <laughs> Anybody found that to be so? Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. I mean, there's always something. So how do we begin to nurture that hunger? What are the characteristics or the qualities of people that are hungry? What will it take for me to get some of the things that I want? And being hungry for those things. Number one, you've got to work on yourself. 
It's very important that you engage in an ongoing process to develop you. Spend more time on yourself than what you've been spending. It's very important. You owe that to yourself. I was reading a book by Og Mandino called The University of Success. Read one line. Gave me a chill. I didn't have to read anything else in the book. He said, many of us never realize our greatness because we become sidetracked by secondary activity. We spread ourselves too thin. Don't know how to say no. And we find ourselves doing all kinds of things and never ever have time to do those things that we need to do to work on ourselves. And then there goes a second, there goes another second, there goes another second, and we can't stop and hold time. And before you know it, you wake up one day and you're behind on your dreams and your bills. <laughs> so decide that you're gonna take some time to work on you, that you deserve that from yourself, that your life deserves some prime time because you are creating your own production. As Michael Todd would say, you are the star of your show, you are the director, you're writing the script and you will determine whether your life is a smash office hit or flop. You determine that. I do a lot of training for many corporations and I conduct sales seminars and I've heard all kind of guys doing techniques and training um, people techniques of how to close sales and how to work with and, and begin to control the, the sale and how to ask for the close. Let me share something with you. You can learn all the techniques in the world. If you don't believe in yourself, it won't happen for you. I learned all of it. So that's why I do a training called Focus on the Seller. You've got to focus on you. And as you convince you, as you sell yourself, every day, every day, every day, you will begin to see a difference in the things that you're doing. Selling yourself on your ability to perform a job, to achieve a certain objective, telling yourself every day, here I go again, and I got what it takes. This is my day, and nothing out here is going to stop me. Because you made it this far in a video, I want to celebrate you. Most people start and don't finish. Most people never actually follow through. Most people say they want something, but they don't ever do the work to actually get it. But you are different. You are special. Believe Nation, you made it here all the way to the end, and I love you. So it's a special celebration if you put a hashtag believe down in the comments below on this video, I will showcase you and celebrate you somewhere on the screen in a future video because you are awesome. To get some incredible Les Brown motivation, check the video right there next to me. I think you'll love it. Continue to believe and I'll see you there. You're marching toward purpose, meaning, and impact. Whatever vision that you hold for yourself, see it accomplished and understand this.